Here at Lady Farmer, we talk about so many different aspects of slow and sustainable living, a subject matter that can at times feel confusing, overwhelming, even misleading. And that's why a few years ago, we set out to write a book that might be a guide for those seeking a life of beauty, simplicity, and sustainability. We're thrilled to be able to offer you our own small guide for cultivating slow living, sustainable simplicity close to home available in our online marketplace. In the book, you've woven an easy-to-digest narrative of stories, recipes, tips, resources, ideas, and reflection. This collection of essays and resources will guide you to think about your own relationship to the planet, what you eat, what you wear, and how you live a sustainable lifestyle. It also contains a 21-day slow-living challenge of daily thought exercises to lead you in the process. For you Good Dirt listeners, we are offering free shipping of this wonderful little book with the code THEGOODDIRT in our online marketplace. So use the code THEGOODDIRT, T-H-E-G-O-O-D-D-I-R-T at checkout when you go to purchase your copy of The Lady Farmer Guide to Slow Living in our online marketplace for free shipping. That's The Good Dirt at The Lady Farmer online marketplace for free shipping on The Lady Farmer Guide to Slow Living. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks, everybody. During the pandemic, and I was out on another family's farm, there were a couple of us that got together, and we would call ourselves the porchers, and we'd sit out on someone's porch outside during the pandemic, and I had this thought of, huh, well, what do we need to actually just get the food from the farms to the people? And that was that aha moment. You're listening to the Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer. We're sowing seeds of slow living through our community platform, events, and online marketplace. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now. The farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. So come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now, let's dig in. Hello, Good Dirt listeners. Welcome to this week's episode. Uh, We want to let you know that we actually recorded both this interview and this intro just a few weeks ago. So we're talking about summer now because it's still summer. But when you listen to this, it will be fall. So just a little heads up. Hi, Emma. It was fun having you at the farm over the weekend. You want to tell our listeners what we were doing? Sure. So every month inside our online community platform, the Almanac, we have an activity that's related to our seasonal theme. And you can do it if you're interested or not. But at some point during the month, we'll get together on Zoom and have a little gathering, talk about it and share ideas about how this activity and the related stuff around it has impacted us in terms of what we're trying to do as a community, which is to encourage people in their desire to slow down and be more intentional intentional in their everyday lives and just generally move in the direction of a more sustainable lifestyle that's closer to the 
cycles of nature. And uh, this month's theme has been savor. So the activity suggestion was to enjoy an end of summer meal by savoring the flavors and the time spent together around the table with an emphasis on locally grown food. So that's what we did over the weekend. We planned a small gathering with our Lady Farmer team members and everybody brought something and we ate outside in the garden for a lovely golden hour feast. Yes, the food was amazing. It was all from the garden or from our CSA or local markets. And a couple of items were even foraged. How'd you like the seasoning on the roasted chicken, Emma? It was really tasty. It was so good. That was ground spice bush berries. It tastes sort of like allspice. And I found them in the woods just right around our house. I guess you could say that's pretty local. Yeah. And no chemicals, no plastic, and no transport. And the whole idea of local food relates to another one of our almanac activities, which is our upcoming book club. This season's selection was All We Can Say, which is a selection of essays about the climate crisis, all written by women from various backgrounds and perspectives, like scientists, journalists, farmers, lawyers, teachers, activists, innovators. Yeah, and it's a really interesting book. You know, we hear a lot of bad news and dire predictions about the climate crisis, as we should. It's pretty dire, and it's easy to get overwhelmed and wonder what even the point is and what we can even be doing as individuals that would really make any kind of difference. So today we're going to talk specifically about one of those things that we really, really can do. Yes, and this might not be something that immediately comes to mind when you're thinking about climate change, but eating local, responsibly produced food is actually a very powerful personal action. According to a report by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, you might have heard this referred to as the IPCC, global food production accounts for more than a third of man-made greenhouse gases. And so how's that? It's from the fossil fuel-derived herbicides and pesticides used in large-scale agriculture and the enormous fuel consumption involved in transporting food hundreds and even thousands of miles and the fossil fuels used in the production of the massive amount of plastic packaging that transported foods require. And of course, the degradation of the soil from the pressure of the chemical inputs that release carbon into the atmosphere. So... All this to say that when you choose to eat from your own garden or a garden nearby or a small local farm that produces food with regard to the health of the soil, you are cutting down the carbon footprint of your food and helping to grow good dirt. Yay, good dirt. And uh, that's all great. But as we know, locally grown food is not always accessible to everybody. It is often, by necessity, more expensive than the cheap mass-produced foods that are shipped all over the planet. And there are lots of neighborhoods and food desert areas where you just can't get good local food. So what do we do about the inequity of access to these more regenerative and, by the way, more nutrient-dense foods? Yeah, it's a huge problem and it is an equity issue and there is a lack of justice around this problem around the food system in general, but there are people out there working on creative ways to overcome this, including our guest today, Jenny Freeman, who is also our neighbor here in the Montgomery County Ag Reserve. Jenny is the founder of Community Farm Share, 
This is a nonprofit that links families experiencing food insecurity to local produce farms. The idea for Community Farm Share came about during the pandemic in 2020 when a group of community residents recognized the pressures facing our local food systems and saw a way to link farms with families facing food insecurity. We'll let Jenny tell you the story of how she acted on her idea and created what has now become, in less than a year, a successful nonprofit helping farmers grow their businesses, helping residents tackle the food inequities through volunteerism and financial support, and helping food insecure neighbors get fresh, nutritious food for themselves and their families. And as you're listening, consider how you might take action for food justice by seeking out opportunities in your own community for equitable food distribution, or you can support the Community Farm Share directly, and it's just such an amazing, inspiring story. We're so grateful for Jenny for coming on and for the efforts that she has made in our community, and she's really making a huge difference. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Here's Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Welcome to the farm. We're doing an in-person interview tonight. It's Friday night. It's beautiful late summer night, and we're just enjoying a lovely evening here. But we have Jenny Freeman with us, and I'm going to let you tell us why you're here and what you do, and tell us something of your story and how you started your community farm share. Thank you so much for having me uh, this evening. It's such a great experience to be here, so thank you. So the story with Community Farm Share is um, really was one of the projects that I, I did coming out of the pandemic. So, or in the middle of the pandemic, the idea, I mean, seeing so many families facing food insecurity and the whole disruption of the food system, the local food system was something that was just so, so disturbing and to me. And living out here in the Ag Reserve, being your neighbors and seeing all this food that can be grown, that is being grown, both on the farms and people's backyards, it was this idea of, well, can we somehow get together and as a community and really make something happen with the food that is growing and and get it to people in need in Montgomery County. So local helping local people. So I remember when you first moved here, what, four or five years ago yeah. or something like that? And I think it will shed a little light on your background and your inspiration for doing this by describing, I met the year after you've done your first garden. And as I remember, you were like really kind of overwhelmed with the amount of food you were getting. So talk about that and tell us what happened. Yeah, exactly. Though that's absolutely true. So I moved out here, yep, five years ago. Started a pretty big garden. It was like 60 feet by 70 feet or so. And I'd always been a gardener. So even in previous places where I'd lived, I'd I'd grown food. So I, I had that basic concept of it. But I could clearly see how, you know, how connected, you know, people can be to the earth and to grow a lot of food at the same time. And so I grew a lot. I started donating a lot of food to the different food assistance providers and food banks and got inspired to do more and really to grow it from really as community farm share came out of the idea of not just backyard growing, but how can we collect the existing local farmers who are really doing things on a bigger scale, right? Because here I am doing a small uh, garden and trying to produce food and support you know, local communities and as much as I can. But on a larger scale, what can the actual lo- local farms do in order to support the people that are in need? 
So what did you figure out how to make that work? What's the structure of it now? What does it look like? So I would say the central heart of the organization is all about community. So living out here through coming here, meeting people right here in this exact house, getting to know the farmers, getting to know people who are doing the growing. So it started with knowing people. That's Mm -hmm. what it's about. It's about connections between people, between one person to another person. And once I had the concept of getting to know the farmers, then the idea, I was literally, it was during the pandemic and I was out on another family's farm. There were a couple of us that got together. Um, We would call ourselves the porchers and we'd sit on on someone's porch um, outside during the pandemic. And I had this thought about, gosh, I know all these amazing, wonderful farmers that are really growing on a larger scale, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, not just the backyard, but actual farm, vegetable farms. Um, And they're growing organically and they're growing, you know, certified regenerative and agriculture, you know, and then there's all this need, right? Mm -hmm. And so the idea is huh, well, what do we need to actually just get the food from the farms to the people? And one of the friends that was sitting out on the porch, she actually asked me one day, she's like, Jenny, I wanted to donate some money and I wanted to contribute to the food system and what should I do? And it was literally, that was that aha moment actually where I thought, okay, wait, somebody actually wants to like help and support this on a financial level. And it was almost just like, really? People really want to do that? And it made sense. And that was the moment where it kind of came together. Like, okay, there's people that actually want to contribute to it. There's farmers that are growing the food and then there's the people that need it. Add to this too is one of my passions, not only is just feeding and providing healthy, good food to people in need, but it's also supporting the local farmers because they too have a hard life, as we know yeah. from our backyard gardens mm-hmm. and from real farms, actual, you know, larger farms. They need the support as well from the financial point of view. So we, one thing I believe in very much too is community farm share is that we do pay the farmers what they should have for their food that they grow. And that way they're supporting local farms and then also getting getting that food to the people that need it. So how does that work? What is the infrastructure required and how do people sign up for it to receive the food? And how do people participate as just donations or... Tell us like exactly how it works. There's a website, basically. So the website is communityfarmshare.org. And what it is, is we're basically, we collect in any donations amount. So it can be, you know, any any amount at all is welcome. When we get the donations in, we have seven local farms that are in Montgomery County. Four of them are on the western side of the county. Three of them are on the eastern side of the county. And people can either donate directly to a specific farm if they have an association or a connection with that farm or to a general fund. And when we get enough funds in, in order to... To basically buy a CSA share. That share then we have volunteer drivers who bring those to the families in need. I also say we partner in order how we find our families is we partner with existing community organizations, existing food assistance providers all throughout the county who have been working with families in need for a long time, even pre-pandemic or during the pandemic. And in that way, we're able to connect with them, partner with them to understand which of the families are most in need and how we can support them. And so then we have volunteer drivers that go every week. We've got nine different routes. They pick up the food directly, the produce directly from the farms and bring those to the family stores. Because most of the families that are receiving the food don't have access to transportation. A lot of them have health issues or obviously financial issues that they that prevent them from having easy access to get out to the farms to pick up the food. So we the deliveries too. That's so cool. 
is the money going to specific CSAs? And you might want to talk a little bit about what a CSA is. I mean, some people listening might not really understand that. Or is it just any farm that wants to give food? How does that work? So we work with specifically with farms that are able to provide CSAs. And so what a CSA is, it stands for Community Supported Agriculture. And a CSA is a weekly bag of produce. Usually the bag includes usually six to eight or so different items, which are grown. It's seasonal. And so whatever basically the farmer is growing during that season, all the way from the spring, all the way through the fall, it varies throughout the seasons. So each week they get a bag. So one CSA means typically between, uh, varies a little bit, but I'd say between 24 to 34 weeks of weekly bags of produce. And so they would get probably between 10, 15 pounds of food every week of whatever is available. So in the spring, it might be more of the greens, you know, so more like lettuces and spinach and broccolis. And then in the summer, more of the summer vegetables in the fall, back to the fall vegetables. So are these CSAs that the contributors are giving money to? So anybody who would donate into Community Farm Share, yes, is actually that they donate the money into Community Farm Share and we then pass the full amount onto the farm. And so then the farm actually gets paid. So for example, the average, again, each farm has a different pricing situation, but the average price of a full share of the CSA, so that would mean the whole like 24 to 30 weeks or whatever the amount Mm -hmm. of time is, would be about $700. So that means $700 provides three seasons, you know, 24 to 30 weeks of food every single week to the family. So yes, the seven local farms that we work with are all CSA farms, which means they um, are able to provide the diversity of the food because otherwise a lot of farms might only produce maybe two or three different types of vegetables, but it's important for the CSA farm to be able to provide larger variety of food. Right. Okay. Yeah, that was what I was wondering. So these are farms with CSA programs. Yes, exactly. And farm share gives them the full amount of the share. It's not like you're asking them for the donation. So the farmers are getting fully compensated for each share that is being donated by community farm share. Yes, that is correct. And that's important because mm-hmm. one of the things, especially in Montgomery County here, but I'm sure that's it's relevant for, for everywhere, I, I suppose, is that farmers, the food that farmers produce really needs, I mean, it's something I believe in so much needs to be really valued. And it's a lot of work. And especially again, in our area, the price of of getting farms to be able to be profitable or the amount of work and the cost to make a farm profitable is tough in this area. You know, whether it's land cost is high or, or labor costs are high, or just generally the cost of living in Montgomery County is rather high. So to be a successful, financially successful farmer here is challenging. So that is something we believe in is to pay the farmer the full amount of the shares. So how do you, from like a business infrastructure perspective, is this completely volunteer for you? Do you run it? Like who built your website? It just, it sounds amazing. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I've had volunteers help. So right okay. now we are completely volunteering, including okay. myself. Wow. But the hope is that we actually, big news is that as of today, we just got our nonprofit status. So we cool. applied on April oh, 1st wow. and this morning I got the, <sighs> um, the approval for being a 501c3. So I'm super, wow. super excited, which means that going forward, I'm hoping that we can then apply for for grants to fund the actual operations because that is critical in order to make it sustainable for the long term. Um, So this first year I did, it's something I'm passionate about. I believe in this so much. So I thought I'm going to figure out a way to make it happen even on a purely volunteer level. But I do believe and I hope maybe hire staff too and actually grow the organization because there's a lot of potential to um, expand. All we need to do is simply bring in, you know, the donations, get them to the farmers and then have people bring the food to the people. That's it. And I'm thinking about 
people who are listening who might not be local, but thinking about like replicating this in their area, was it a model that you had seen that exists already or is it something that you guys kind of made up? Yeah, I guess it just for the person who's listening who wants to do something similar, what how would you what would you tell them? Oh gosh, be in contact with me. I would okay. love to I would love to share. I actually didn't have a model on it. Okay. It was really just sitting there, like I said, out on the porch thinking about it. Okay, let's just figure out a way to bring in and the donations have the connections with the farmers and yeah. they get volunteers to to bring the food where it needs to go and the connections with the food assistance providers. On the computer even. Like even with just what we do, I can't imagine. Like that seems kind of complicated, like <laughs> making it all. But you have people helping you. Yeah, yeah. No, I do have a bunch stuff. of volunteers. Okay. And we have a board. We've got a board of okay. you know directors already. And they a fantastic group of people too that I just absolutely love working with. And yeah, it, it's it's not too complicated really. Okay. I mean, it's it's really I have a spreadsheet. I keep track <laughs> of the you know funds that go in. I know which farm it goes to because sometimes people do prefer a lot of people who have existing CSAs with these existing seven partner farms they might want to donate a share. So basically it's like get a share for your own family and then you can buy a share or part of a share for someone else. And I should just emphasize too that there's no need to donate the full amount. It can always, any amount is welcome too. I think one thing that's real important about this whole thing is that organic food, farm to table food is inaccessible to certain segment of the population that it's sort of a thing of privilege. And you have really leveled the field here by opening it up to anybody, anybody who needs it. Well, I would say that it is, it still is inaccessible generally. And that's, so she is making it accessible. So what's interesting is that it is sadly that this is even needed, right? That we have to like do these connecting. So it's cool. Like, it's really cool that you would do it. But I don't know if I would say that it's makes it totally accessible all across the board. Like this is one way to do it. But it's still... People have to know about this and... Yeah, and the truth, bottom line here is the underlying problem that it is too complicated to get good food to people and, like, why? And what are those structures that are in the way of that? And that's kind of like what we talk about all the time, Lady Farmer. Yeah. And what this whole thing is about. Yeah, it's true. There's so many obstacles, costs being one of them. Because if you pointed out, it costs a lot of money for a farmer to do really good food, really food that's that's good for the soil and nutritious and that's going to be super nourishing and nutrition dense and all of that. It just is not a cheap thing to do. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's one of the things that, I mean, what I've talked to our clients, our families that we're supporting. First, I, I want to say, too, that our volunteers that are bringing the food to people, it's not you just drop it off at their door. And yeah. people are getting to know these families. That's I've awesome. done a lot of the deliveries myself, especially in the very beginning. I wanted to get to know the families. And that's what they said. I mean, I've had people say to me, Jenny, I haven't had this food in two years. <gasps> wow. wow. And it's just I, I, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's an amazing thing to know that it really is making a difference. I've had another family, another the mom says to me, she said, "This is the first time I felt like the community actually cared that I'm here." Wow. wow. And it's so there's a caring. I wanted to bring that in too because it's we are an organization that is connecting people of all different backgrounds, of all different ethnicities, of all different languages, and we're bringing them through the one common culture of good food, which is healthy for people. And another one of our partners too, they have a program, um, it's called Community Cheer and their program has, it's called Food is Medicine. And it's, uh, we partnered with them because it's about bringing healthy food to people who have diabetes, who have other health issues. And same thing, you bring them this food and they're just like absolutely amazed because they they don't have access to it. I mean, they have access to cans and they have Mm -hmm. access to other, you know, pantry items and things like that or 
but frozen foods, but not fresh, like you said, this mm-hmm. fresh, organic, healthy. It's the best food that Montgomery County is producing, and we're bringing it to these people. It's beautiful. That's amazing. So you said the woman who said, I haven't had this food in two years, meaning she hadn't had fresh garden food. Is that what you? Yeah. 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 She used to have, be able to go to a farmer's market and uh-huh. then due to her health issues about getting, getting out of the house and also financial situation, she just can't even afford that anymore. That makes me think of two things. I remember our first, the first year we had the lady from a retreat, we had a few people come. They were more drawn to the workshops and the community or whatever. But what was so interesting was they were so surprised at the food. The food part for us, we're sourced super locally. Do you remember this? Having this conversation, especially yeah. with this one woman being like, I've had stomach issues. I don't remember a time not having a stomach ache after I ate. And just all of the food this weekend has been so nourishing to my body. And just being able to interact with someone who in real time was experiencing the difference of this real food that she wasn't expecting. I don't think she was expecting that. And she's like, I'm going to walk away from this weekend. I thought I was getting something out of this weekend, but it's really going to be the food. The food. Yeah. That's so special. I will always remember that. Yeah. I think there's a difference between good food as in deliciously prepared fancy recipes and stuff and just, you know, the good food. <laughs> yeah. The source. And-, and I think a lot about too, because I'm lucky enough, I belong to a CSA and I don't actually find myself cooking complicated recipes that much because you don't have to do that. To your point, Mom, you don't have to do that much. When the food starts out so good, you just kind of heat it up, add some olive oil. That's all you have to do. I know. Lately, I've been on the way home from the CSA just reaching in and grabbing those peppers, those red peppers, Mm -hmm. and they're so sweet, and just munching them, and these are so delicious. (laughs) Yeah, they're like candy. Oh, but the other thing that you said that reminded me was, haven't you been doing some work recently with the refugees? Yeah. Okay, can you tell us about that? thanks. Yeah, that's a new program. I mean, based on the numbers of people that have been coming into from Afghanistan into the United States, most of them are coming in through Dulles. A lot of people then will be resettled in other states, but probably there's a really rough estimates. It's hard for me to give a real solid number right now, but there'd be several thousand new people that would be living in the in the DMV area alone. And so what Community Farm Share wanted to do also is to help support these people. So many of the Afghans that are coming, I mean, they were the ones that have been supporting the U.S. for all these years. And now um, when they come here, some of them have a special immigration visa status, which would give them some access to some basic benefits. A lot of other people that are coming, though, this month, right now in September, are more on are asylum seekers, and they pretty much would have almost none of these benefits um, when they come in. So right now, the State Department is working with three of the local resettlement agencies that are in the DMV area who are helping to find them permanent housing in the area or helping them resettle in other states. So what Community Farm Show wants to do is to support and help to bring winter shares. We have several farms in Montgomery County who are able to provide um, shares all winter. They have greenhouses and are able to grow food even during the winter. So we have a couple of farms that will be able to grow and will provide 10 weeks of fresh vegetables in the winter to these new arrivals to our country to help them get connected with us and to build community here and to help settle into their new homes. Where are they now? Many of them are in temporary housing or hotels or B&Bs as they are getting 
process and finding more permanent homes. A lot of them will be resettled either all over in the area, but primarily in Peachy County and Alexandria and some in Montgomery County too. But temporarily until they have their apartments, they're usually in hotels for about 20 days or so. So there's other organizations that have really stepped up to bring them cooked food and other basic needs. And living in a hotel and yeah, what do they do on a daily yeah, there's basis? There's not much you can do with like vegetables besides eat them raw. What is that program called? It's a program for supporting Afghan refugees um, for community farm share. So what we are doing, we're going to step in once the families get resettled to their more permanent homes, like the apartments that are going to get set up for them, then we would be able to step in and start bringing them the same thing like before, the weekly okay. bags of fresh vegetables. So in the meantime, while they're at the hotels and other organizations are just helping them with their basic needs, and then we'd step in probably, it would start mid-October all the way through mid-January. Another tranche will start all the way through May. So we have two different farms that would support um, where we would buy the CSA shares from the farms and bring them to people once they're living in their actual homes. Because you're right, when they're in the hotels, it's hard to yeah. really cook much or anything. So we'll bring it to them once they get to their permanent homes. Well, I imagine they'll be needing household goods and stuff too, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And there's definitely organizations that are helping to support with that too, helping them get to apartments, helping them any household goods that they need, like you said. There's other organizations that help with getting, you know, access to whatever transportation needs or to, you know, getting into just general assimilation into our area. So do you have the support financially to help support all those families? I imagine it would be like a bigger ask or I don't know. I mean, are people feeling especially generous or do you have to go like fundraise for that yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, starting to fundraise. Okay. <laughs> Definitely starting to fundraise. Now um, that you're a 501c3. Exactly. <laughs> now that we're 501c3. This all is happening very fast. Yeah. And so definitely the fundraising piece is big and is urgent. And we're trying to get the word out and trying to spread okay. the word and would love for anybody who's listening to help spread the word to yeah. that extent. There's definitely need each of the, I should say, the shares. It's a different pricing than for the summer and, and the larger shares because this is just for the winter shares. So one 10-week share for this program on average is about $325 for 10 weeks. So it's kind of like $30 a, a share. Mm-hmm. And that's how much vegetables they get, enough to really provide for the families. A lot of the families are larger families, kind of average size of the family that's coming in is around five or six people in the family. So the need for food is significant. Some of the families, when they come in with the SIV, the special immigrant visa status, they're given, I think it's like $1,000 per person for three months and then that's it. So they do have a small amount of money to start with, but any bit of support, you know, that can help them is so needed. And then the second group that are the asylum seekers, they, like I mentioned before, they will not even have that level of benefits at all. So any, any food that they, or any supplies that they need is they're basically completely dependent on whatever organizations, you know, faith-based organizations, nonprofits, community organizations are able to supply. Wow. Wow. So you have come such a long way and this, this is, has been the first season, right? Of community farm share. Yeah. Wow. What would you say have been the biggest challenges of getting this thing off the ground? Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All of them. Sleeping? (laughs) Yeah. Does that count? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think that's probably the biggest one. Um, Yeah. I think 
I mean, two is the part that is the networking fundraising piece. That's definitely a challenge because I think that helps to be established in the in the area and have the connection and having a profit status in this. So that's been one challenge. But otherwise, I really think that it's been an absolutely completely amazing experience when I think about people coming together. Mm-hmm. My own personality, I have a problem. I think I can just do it all and I can do everything. And I've had to just learn, no, just ask for help. And people have told me that, Jane, just ask for help. Like, oh, really? That's all you do? You just ask people? And so I started doing that, you know, (laughs) actually. You heard it here first. I did. (laughs) (laughs) And it worked. And it has been so completely beautiful. The volunteers that have been connecting and have started to do the driving or they'll review some things that I'm writing just to check that it makes sense and whatever. It is absolutely phenomenal. So that connection of people coming together and asking has been wonderful. I mean, that's not a challenge. That's the opposite of a challenge. But I just wanted to share that because I'm so grateful for the volunteers that have been here so far and to donors. I mean, people who have just outright had faith that this is actually working and that this can work. And, you know, I've had people not only from our area donating, but I've had some people from like Pennsylvania or, you know, or Frederick County and people who just heard about it from word of mouth. Because mainly we've been spreading the word through just people who know each other and through community organizations and connections. So it's been, the connections have been wonderful. So would you say though, back to challenges, is it besides your like mental health and your sleep, it's impressive the amount that you've been able to raise so far and sustain and just like the generosity of people. But I would assume that money is one of the issues, right? Just like get that constant. And then you've sort of talked me down from the, I'm like the infrastructure, that seems, the logistics, that seems complicated, but that ha- that doesn't seem like it's too big of an issue. Yeah, the logistics actually seems to work out well. I okay. mean, especially at this scale. Okay. One of the things I would figure out as we grow is to develop infrastructure idea, I guess, concept. Yeah. You know, whether that's having vans, it would be able to do more of the delivery or something like this. But right now, the key piece is that are those volunteers that are yeah. doing it and they love doing it too. Everybody's okay. been super happy to help out. But going back to the financial part, yes, we have, we raised in the first year about $45,000, which wow. was um, really wonderful for us to be able to buy these shares. So we, again, we paid the farmers full price. My goal at the time, when I had sort of interviewed and talked to the farmers to see how much would they be able to grow for the program, I had feedback that we'd be able to get to like 120 shares or something like that. So we didn't quite make that, but I'm glad because that first 50 shares was our pilot year. You know, we learned a lot. We learned how we could be able to scale it up in the future. But understanding that, yes, I would be super grateful for any contributions at all, especially right now for the special Afghan project, which is really on an urgent level. Because again, we pay the farmers up front because for a CSA, the farmers need to have the bunny in the beginning of the season in order for them to have the inputs to be able to, you know, buy the seeds and plant everything or any inputs that they need or for paying their staff, obviously. So that's an important piece too. So it's not like you pay every week separately for each right. share. You pay the bulk yeah. up front. So if it's, you know, $325 for the winter share that would actually be paid up in October so that they could pay during the winter. Yeah. Did you say there were seven farms involved this year? Yep. Are you hoping to increase that as you go? 
Would love to. Any farm in the area is absolutely welcome to participate with mm-hmm. Community Farm Show. I would love it. The key is being able to provide a CSA bag, meaning that they do need to be able to produce enough different variety throughout the season to be able to provide, let's say, a competent CSA bag. So if they only produce, you know, one or two different vegetables, maybe they could team up with another farm who produces a couple other different vegetables and they could combine, you know, to make yeah. one CSA. But that is important that they can you know, produce a variety so that when we bring it to the family, they, they get this, you know, six to eight different types of food. That's really cool. That That's a significant increase in each of those farmers' customer base. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the farmers are loving it because farmers, they want to provide food for all eaters. Yeah. You know, they do. They, and they understand that, yes, their customer they, is a certain demographic. Yes. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah They do. They do. But they want to feed everybody. I mean, absolutely. Every one of the farmers that's in this program is just, has become a dear friend of mine. Is it just I have such huge respect for all of them and what they're doing and how they're participating in the program. And it's nice to be able to make that connection to enable them also to provide food for this different group of people and also earn enough money for them. And we've had some really fun experiences. We had a couple people, we had one of our clients who was receiving one of the shares. She was so eager to go out to the farm and help because she wanted to give back, you know? Mm -hmm. So we actually connected her to one of the farms out in Ashton and she and I went out there and we helped pick potatoes one, you know, one day, which was great because she just wanted to, wanted to be able to help in some way too. So it's a nice feeling. Oh, that's lovely. These farmers are passionate about what they do and their mission. And it's just so wonderful that they can be compensated and have their customer base grow and have a grateful recipients all the way around. It's just, it's wonderful. It's really great. So, And I remember, we were trying to remember when it was that you and I had first talked about this, when this idea was just bubbling around for you. And I, I can't remember if it was last fall or the winter, but it just seems to me that all this has happened so quickly. It's just unfolded. And the next thing I know, you you had your website and then your, yeah. It has gone fast. But this also is the piece of the puzzle that actually brings me back to this whole idea of just why it is that we do what we do. You know, I, in my sort of quote, previous life, I did microfinance consulting. I was working overseas and helping low-income families have access to finance, access to credit at small banks and stuff. And so I, I had left that career just basically when I came back to the U.S. and then ended up out here starting a little farm and then it got connected to nature and I, mean, I always was connected to nature, but really connected. <laughs> yeah. I was living outside 20 hours a day. And that was this whole sense of now what, you know, and then when the pandemic happened, it just, it was really that light bulb moment. It just completely clicked of connecting people in need with farmers who are or growing this amazing food in a healthy way that's you know, supporting soils, that's supporting the earth, you know, not using pesticides and, and chemicals and bringing this to people who are really in need, both from a health perspective or a financial perspective and don't have that access. And so it's that sense of one of my good friends, when I talked to them about this project and everything and how it actually happened, I think so quickly, actually, to answer your question, is he said to me, Jenny, you're doing that which you can't not do. And I sort of had to right. work through all those words. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. But that's what it is. It's you're kind of doing what you can't not do, like what you're doing with Lady yeah. Farmer. It's like this is just your thing. And it and it connects with who you are as a person. And on that level, I feel that way too. So even though, sure, I'm busy and, and all of that, but that's what I can't not 
too. That's so cool. So you've said this is a volunteer thing for you so far. So are you working on it every day? Do you get up in the morning and, and you're on it? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially now with the Afghan project. Huge amounts of connections and partnerships with other organizations that are trying to do projects as well, whether they're bringing them other things that they need or supporting yeah. them in some way. So it's kind of we're all just in this kind of soup pot trying like to figure out, you know, who's coming, when are they coming, where are they going, how can we support wow. them? So it's been a lot the last few weeks, especially as we got that started. But even before this special project, the, our normal, regular project to support any insecure family is, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. Do you feel like your microfinance background helped you know kind of what to do and the steps to take and everything to pull all this together? Yeah. The best part about that background was when I had started my microfinance career, this was after a few, couple of years in New York, so I was still you know, relatively out of college by just a few years, is that I worked for an organization, which it was a German-based consulting company for this kind of work in microfinance. And they were the type of employer who just throws you out there mm. and says, go figure it out. Yeah. And so I ended up finding my first job. I was in a little village up in Northern Albania and called Škodra. And I was like 24 years old or something and calling back to some professors that I had from college and like, uh, where's, where am I? What am I doing? Like, you know, <laughs> trying to figure this out. And, wow. and they, and one of the professors said to me, he's like, Jenny, well, you're not at the end of the earth, but I think you can see it from there. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Which, so to answer your question, that actually helped a lot because yeah. when you're just thrown into something and sort of had those expectations that you've got to figure it out, that was probably the best lessons I've ever learned in my life wow. because yeah. now I can just, I feel, have enough confidence to just jump in there. If you would have asked me nine months ago, what is all this going to turn into? I would say I have absolutely no idea, but just have that confidence but to that know that somehow it's going to yeah. it's gonna work out. You're not afraid of logistics like I am, apparently. I keep bringing like, like, the logistics. <laughs> just get a bunch of volunteers that are just wonderful, wonderful people, and then it works. That's amazing. I do want to know where you got your volunteers. At first, so living in Poolsville, that was my first source. So mm-hmm. I started talking to people who are just local, put it on our Facebook page, you know, and community right. Facebook page. Right. And a bunch of people showed up oh, yeah. from there, which was great. And then it was just Again, word of mouth. People just kind of heard about. So I talked to the other farmers on the other over in the Sandy Spring Ashton area, where three of the farms are, and they said, "Oh, we have we know somebody." And it was really just like that. And then somebody was also doing some food runs for Community Food Rescue, which is another organization locally that helps to support moving a lot of food that otherwise would have been wasted to food pantries and other food assistance providers. So some of those volunteers joined in. Really, word of mouth. I didn't have any big public appeal. It was just, "Here's our organization. This is what we're doing." Put it out on Facebook, put it out on people's ears. That's one thing I, I love to share too, if I have another minute, is that feeling of community, really local yeah. community right here in this area. Yeah. Um, it is unbelievable. I mean, like this, I told you the story of this one woman had said this is the first time she felt like she was really part of the community and that was cared for her. I mean, I feel the same way in that way too, is that I, like I said, I just asked people to help and they did and they come together and just feeling that we are one group of people, regardless of any of our backgrounds or any of that. It's just, I love living here. This is the best little corner of the county. What does the good dirt mean to you? And you can answer that literally or metaphorically or any way you're inspired to answer. Besides this wonderful podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the first, first thing that comes to mind. That's the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> exactly. 
the good dirt is our nourishing sustenance. This is what is enables us to grow, to live, to connect. My latest passion or interest, I should say, is about how trees connect. Yes. And I just am amazed by this concept of communication and all that's happening between like fungus and the dirt, right? And so there's just millions and billions and billions of these microorganisms that are connecting us all. And so if you think of that as being I mean, that's what the good dirt is. It's a connection. It's connecting trees, it's connecting plants, it's connecting everything that's growing, which enables life to happen. And we just wouldn't be anything without good dirt. So true. It's the best. Yes. And all of that business about the trees communicating and the underground connections and all of that, that's fairly new science, isn't it? I mean, it just seems like, or maybe I'm hearing more and more about it and there are books being written about it. Yeah, I feel the same. I'm just, I've just only learned the last couple like year or so that I didn't really realize all of that was happening, but yeah. Yeah. It's just amazing. They talk to each other. I think there's a book of the finding the mother tree. Yes. I haven't read it yet, but it's it's on my shelf. (laughs) So as soon it's going to happen. (laughs) Is that the one? It's been on the New York Times bestseller list, right? And the overstory, I did read that. That I read the overstory. Yeah. That really kind of got me going on this tree thing and you look at them differently. And all of that is the good dirt. That's all that's happening there. So we walk on it we dig in it but at the end of the day that's what's growing our food and our our sustenance it's definitely the common denominator of everything on the planet isn't it so jenny is there anything else in closing that you would like to leave with our listeners maybe you know the timeliest action steps people can be taking and then just any general parting words well first thank you i'm so appreciative of this evening and your time but parting words is yeah just i would love if anyone wants to go to uh, communityfarmshare.org and learn more about our organization and uh any support that you can and also just spread the word i mean again i've talked about community i've talked about connections between people. So tell anybody and, and, you know, get the website up and then send an email out to your friends and people to just let it be known that we're doing this. It's a really simple concept. It's just, you know, bringing in donations, buying the shares and bringing in the people. So it just makes a lot of sense to, to help to support whenever anybody that can. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. And I would like to reiterate anybody out there, wherever you are in the country, if this interests you as a model of something you'd like to do in your own community, Jenny has invited you to reach out and hear how how she's done it. So I think it's just a fantastic idea. Yeah. And hopefully it'll spread. Great. As you can probably tell from this conversation, Jenny doesn't bite. She's really sweet. Yeah. I'd love to connect with anybody. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you. Wow. How many organizations do you know that are doing so much to address food insecurity, social injustice, and to support the local food system all at once and in less one year? It's amazing. It is truly impressive and inspiring. Thank you so much, Jenny, for your creativity and leadership in our community and for the example you have set for others to take on some of these same challenges in their own communities. At a time when so many problems seem insurmountable and we're all wondering what we can do, this is indeed a breath of fresh air. Yes, thank you so much for being here, Good Dirt listeners. If you're not already following us, we are Lady Farmer on Instagram. The handle is literally we are Lady Farmer. And we also have a website where you can sign up for a newsletter, listen to all of our past podcast episodes, ladyfarmer.com. If you're interested in joining our community we were talking about earlier, the Almanac, it is a 
community for slow living, seasonal living, and we'd love to have you. You can also join us at our website as well. And in relation to today's episode, if you'd like to contribute to Community Farm Share, making local food available to all of our neighbors here in Montgomery County, Maryland, and to this special program providing fresh food this winter to the Afghan families being resettled in our area, you can follow the links in the show notes of this episode. So we'll link everything down below. And whether or not you're local, we recommend looking up this incredible organization. And as Jenny said, she is completely open and willing to talk to anyone who's interested in starting something similar in your area. So thank you so much for being here and for making the world a little bit of a better place. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody.